Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome to the sanctuary of Quest Church for Church Online. Listen, as we go through this evening, be sure to hit those thumbs and those hearts, and please be sure to share and tag a friend in your comments. Over the last few weeks, we have heard some incredible prophetic voices speak on this particular program with great clarity concerning where we are as a church and where we are as a nation. Today, we're going to go back and we're just going to review what I think are some pivotal points that these guys brought to our attention. Before we go there, I just want to remind you of kind of how our nation feels today. I remember saying one time that music in this generation has never been so vile. Movies have never been so violent. The mood of the people has never been so mean. The manners of children never so bad. The madness of society, never so evident, and the meandering of a generation, never so apparent. So the question is, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 11 says, there's a cry that comes from a certain region, and the cry is this, watchmen, what of the night? And we've gone through this a lot lately, but hear me out. The word watchman means in the Greek, episkopos, over vision. And really what we need today is to hear from the voice of prophets, the voice of pastors, the voice of apostles, the voice, the voice of teachers and evangelists. We need to hear the fivefold ministry speaking in this hour. What is the duration of this night, this season of adversity? What are the details of this night season? It's a spiraling down. Well, let me tell you, there is great hope in our future. Our future is bright. This occasion has presented us with the greatest opportunity for revival that we've ever seen as the people of God. I remember one night during this last few weeks, we were talking to Bishop Bloomer, and he began to talk about the power of intercession. The Bible says that God sought for a man that would stand in the gap for his people. Are you a gap stander tonight? Or have you been polarizing people? I encourage you, stand in the gap and begin to pray like you've never prayed before. To, inter to intercede is often to intercept what the enemy is trying to throw at us. Intercession will break a curse. Intercession will reverse a thing that is diametrically opposed to your destiny. So I want you to listen very closely to these words from Bishop George Bloomer. In our churches, we always talk about intercessors. So we have the intercessors, the intercessors. You go to an intercessor and ask the intercessor, what do you do? Well, I pray for the people. Well, that's not what an intercessor does. An intercessor doesn't pray for you. An intercessor prays as you. Wow. Doesn't pray for you. Praise as you. Preach, man. Enter the seed in order to enter the session. Yes. There is a corrupt seed in this nation. Yes, sir. That Caucasians have just entered into the seed. So now they're in the session. And that's why they're holding the signs up Come in the on. street. Yeah. They don't even know what happened to them. In this particular hour, God is doing something that has never been done before. The blood yeah. of the slain are crying from the, the earth, yep. from the grave. Yep. And this is the hour where he has raised up uncommon intercessors yes. who are not praying for us. 
They're not marching for us. White folks ain't marching for black people right now. Uh -uh. They are marching as, as us. us. Yeah. They see the injustice everywhere and they're holding the signs up. And we need to get with this and watch God do in this hour what we've never seen him do before. What a powerful word from Bishop Bloomer. When we are interceding, we are not praying for someone, we are praying as them. Incredible point. You know, I was thinking about the power of Christianity. Christian, of course, to, it means to be Christ-like, but it also means to be a bearer of light, to bring revelation. It is impossible to allow our conversation to match the dialogue of the world and be standing out at the same time. The Bible says we are a light on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. It is paramount that we understand that distinction. We should not be culminating a problem or even causing a problem. We should be the answer for the problem that we see in the world today. You know, my son has a very interesting perspective concerning Christianity. And he makes a statement here that I don't want you to miss. Let's go to Pastor Dustin right now. You know, the story of God, you know, it, when, when we read scripture, when we read the history of the body of Christ, you know, our, our story is made up uh, of moments in, in time, moments in, in history. And, yes, and, and I think to, as you said, ignore the moment, to negate the moment is to is to negate the will of God. And and I think that we have to we got to embrace that we, we, we can't contextualize Christianity anymore. It's Come not on. about. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard you forever say that consecration and, and, and the idea of consecration, let me make it, you know, a little un, unreligious, is it, really about just get, getting effective and, and getting ready to, 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 to do the will of God. If, if I could just yeah, say man. that, let's take consecration like that. You, you've always taught the consecration is more about keeping your hands full than it is emptying your hands. And, and I'm saying that to say in order for us to get right you know i think the perspective of of christianity I, obviously in this day and age is, is stop doing that you know don't say those words don't do that right Come you on, know, Pastor it, D. It, and and really it, it's going to be it's going to require a, a significant shift in not just perspective but language come on man you know, i'm encouraging preachers approach your word it, you, you know you say where does this start this starts at you know, it starts in the middle of the night when we're getting up, seeking the Lord and grabbing our word. And, and it, we, we have to be desperate about, Lord, show us a perspective we've never seen. Help us to, to, to think approaching your word, to think approaching your people differently. If, if Especially if, if white America church thinks that they're just going to go back to having church the way we've been having church, I will say this prophetically and i don't think obviously i'm not the only one saying it, it ain't gonna be the same it's just it's not going to ever you said it bishop uh, uh williams things are never going to be the same and so the encouragement is let's begin to add to we let me get back to this we cannot contextualize our walk with the lord it's Preach, not man. something that we do on on, on sunday you, you know our, our walk with the lord should somehow at some point in our life challenge us, make us uncomfortable, cause us to have to think about things that, that we normally wouldn't think about, deal with things 
that, that we would probably choosingly not deal with. Uh, and, and like you said, getting over ourselves and saying, you know what, I don't mind getting my hands on this issue. I don't mind putting my hands in this dirt because that's really what faith is all about. Faith yeah. is not about me coming in on Sunday morning and keeping you comfortable yeah. right where you're at and just making sure you okay, can we keep you yeah, yeah. So I, I think that change is, is, is coming, Dad. Uh, and I just want to echo that with you. Incredible insight from Pastor Dustin. Man, these guys are speaking to us this evening. I hope you're sharing this, and I hope you're hitting those hearts and those thumbs, and I hope you're tagging your friends in these comments because I'm telling you, where we are in this nation and in the world today, we need to hear from men of God like you're hearing from tonight. The Bible tells me in Psalm 78 that one generation shall declare his goodness to the next generation. Generations are important in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the genealogies of Jesus are listed in Matthew chapter 1 and it's very, very clear that the writers of the Gospels had pinpoint accuracy as to when one generation stopped and another started. As I look at the world today and all the division and all the segregation and all the separation, all the opinions, I believe we are, pro we are approaching the threshold of what I call a mosaic time. You know, the rainbow is made up of seven different colors, not one. And that rainbow represents a promise. And when you start seeing colors come together, and when you start hearing the sounds of harmony, not just unison and unity, but the sounds of harmony, that is a sure sign that the promise of God is about to come into effect at another level. I believe we are right there. And there's no guy that I know that understands how to explain that to us better than Bishop Brian Keith Williams. Well, you know, what I believe, and I said earlier about the big picture versus the picture within the picture, I, I would say to you that, you know, we've had about 6,000 plus years of human history recorded, all right? And when you study history, you know that, well, let's just go back to Noah's flood. He had three sons. One was named Ham, one was named Shem, one was named Japheth. Ham means dark or warm and shem means uh it means dusky or it actually implies olive that speak of a complexion and also japheth it means fair or bright and the first two thousand years of history the sons of ham the people of color were the preeminent ones in terms of civilization the next two thousand years it was more the semitic people mid-easterners then the last two thousand has been the japhetic people or the europeans or the caucasians my point is each son of ham has had his date Wow. And we are now in a new day, and it is not the black man's time, the white man's time, or the Jewish or Arab man's time. It is the day where we're going to stand, as I've been saying for 30 years now, shoulder to shoulder. A new man is not our time, it's all our time. And because we're coming at a time now where we have, you know, Chronos time, the calendar time, we have the Kairos uh, time, appointed time, we got the Eschatos, the uh, end time. All three times are coming together. So what I'm saying is simply this, that I really believe that as we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, yeah. I really believe it's kind of like I heard Jack Hayford say years ago at a conference in 1986 in Evangel Temple. He talked about growing up in race relations, and he said uh, he didn't know they didn't know who Martin Luther King was. They thought he was a troublemaker, so on and so forth. He did not know that there was a prophetic mantle on him. 
I think the, the scripture tells us if Jesus had known who Jesus, if, if Satan had known who Jesus was, he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the white man has known who the black man is. I don't think that they have known who we are. I really don't. I think they have known what they taught themselves we are. Yes. But we are, we, listen, and we as black people, we suffer from about five things. I'll say it in about 10 seconds. We suffer from a confused origin. We suffer from a concealed history. We suffer from mm. a complicated heritage. We suffer from a cursed destiny. And fifthly, a continual emasculation. And so these kinds of things have to be addressed in, in terms of the church. What black people have never been taught, the Bible is a really black book, man. Yeah. It's a really black book. <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, Christianity is not the white man's religion. That's right. We had our copy of the scriptures long before the King James was created. The gospel went to, it went to Africa before it went yeah. to Europe. Yeah. Acts 8 or Acts 10. So I'm simply saying it's stuff that's in plain sight, but nobody talks about it. So consequently, as a result of that, you have people who grow up with a complex, grow up, you know, with Teach, not man. knowing who they are. Listen. When they talk about black on black crime, for instance, first thing that most people do when they talk about, well, you're talking about that, but you don't say nothing about black on black crime. Well, first of all, the scripture says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, your neighbor's in trouble. Yes. And if you have programmed me and the society has programmed me for years to hate myself, then I don't know how beautiful I am. Mm. Yeah. We have got to understand this thing didn't just happen like this. You know, for instance, in history, we start the black man's history in 1619 on the plantation. Our history doesn't begin when we landed here in Jamestown. You find the richest man in all of history was a black man. The rivers of Eden, two or three of them are in black inhabited civilization. Wow. The original man, his name, Adam, it means red. You got red dirt, brown dirt, black dirt. You don't have white dirt. He's known as a human hue, man with hue. Turn the hue on your TV set, it changes the color. He has color. You can get all the color, dark color, not from a lighter one. We were made of one blood. There is no superior blood. Your son quoted eloquently Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson believed in what is known as polygenesis. Poly meaning multi, genesis meaning origins. Thought that we came from a lesser creation, that we were descendants of a lesser creation or a second creation or an inferior creation. But guess what he said at the end? He said, I tremble when I think that God is just and that is justice cannot sleep forever. And Man. just as the blood of Abel cried from the ground, the blood of George Floyd, Armand Aubrey, Sandra Bland, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, and the list goes on, is crying from the ground. Yes, Why amen. generated from murders now? Because of DNA, because there's life that God told us way back in Leviticus 17. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood has a signature. And so all I'm saying, man of God, is I really believe that right now, what we have been prophesying is manifesting and there is an anointing. I told, I, I text a famous preacher that I said, you are like a Mordecai that will counsel the Hadassahs to stand in the presence of the king. A lot of us are older. And so what our role is gonna be now, more than anything now is to counsel the young Hadassahs, to counsel the young Josiahs, because what I believe is this is not a Joshua generation. If that were the case, why is every generation calling themselves a Joshua generation? I believe it is a Joshua, Josiah generation. Yep. Josiah was eight. Joshua was 80. I believe God is bringing us together in the races. He's bringing us together in the genders. Prophesy. He's bringing us together in the generations. That's what I believe God is doing. Incredible word from Bishop Brian Keith Williams. Listen, two great reformers in scripture, 
Joshua, and Josiah. Josiah started reigning when he was eight years old. You know one of the first things he did? Is he found the word of the Lord. Guess where he found it? In the house of God. The word was in the house, and no one was even looking for it. You know where the word of the Lord is for this generation? It's in the house of God. And speaking of the house, how did it feel to be sheltered in place for all those weeks? Wow. It was difficult to even go to the grocery store, right? My question during that season has not changed. Were you listening? And what did you learn? There's something powerful about Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house and saying, salvation has come to this house today. There's something powerful about Isaiah looking at Hezekiah and saying, set your house in order. And as we were in our homes, we were receiving the gospel into our homes through stream, through live stream, as you're doing right now. There's something powerful about experiencing the presence of God right in your living room. Apostle Ron Carpenter blew us away when he started talking about this season. Let's listen to him now. We have, for whatever reason, we have been forced to host the presence of God in our house. Mm-hmm. Okay? We've been forced to that. Um, when David went to get the ark back and bring it back to Jerusalem, Saul had no desire for the ark. They were still going through the motions, and the presence of God wasn't even there. David set his affections on God's house, and he wanted to bring the ark back to the house of God. When he went to do that, they did not carry it according to protocol. Someone lost their life, and they had to leave it for a period of 90 days at a man's house called Obed-Edom. When the presence of God was at Obed-Edom's house, we know the story. The Bible says everything, mm-hmm. everything, and everything falls under everything. Everything in his household was blessed. David went back, got the right protocol, understand that it had to be carried on the shoulders of the priest, had to, the poles had to go through the holdings, everything. And so they carried the are back into Jerusalem, and Obed-Edom picked up his entire family, packed it up, packed this house up, mm-hmm. and he said, now that I have experienced the presence of God in my house, I will go. never, ever again live yeah, a day man. without Come on with it. Now, this is my first prophet- my prophetic insight for the church, I think, is this. Now that the largest number of people maybe ever in our lifetime has reached out, maybe out of fear, out of whatever reason, and had a hunger for God, but they had to receive God through this mechanism in their house. If there was any presence, if there was any atmosphere, they had to create it themselves without a team of professionals creating it for them. Now we have learned how to take what happens in church and bring it into our house. Mm. Now, here's what I'm asking for the church, and here's my prophetic insight. I will be the first to tell you, guilty. And I've really been looking at this if I needed to repent. I am in the most unchurched region in America right now. We just passed Seattle. Mm -hmm. We're 97% unchurched, 8 million people out here. And 90% of the 3% are Catholic. So I'm in a minuscule number of people that are church people, Mm -hmm. okay? So I have dialed it back since I've been out here. I know how to have church. I know how to pray for the sick, run, sling, jump, flip, sweat. If it moves, pray for it, prophesy to it. I was raised on it. I know how to do it. I will admit to you, I have dialed it back 
in order to try to be relevant. And I'm wondering if I have made a mistake. Mm. Because now that we have hosted the presence of God at Come our on. house, then what's going to make me get little Johnny up, get him a bath, me get up, cook breakfast, mm. get everybody dressed, and ride across town and go to a building that doesn't have it? Man, I'm feeling well, that. Come on. If we're gonna, if we've had it in our house, that may mean we need to look at what's going on in the building and take it up a level to make it something worth traveling to. Mm. If the art's gonna be in the houses, for God's sake, let it be in the church. Well, Ron Carpenter, for years, has been a leading voice in the kingdom of God, and that was absolutely prophetic. Let's bring the presence of God from our house to his house. Incredible insight. Listen, guys, we want you to become a part of Q Nation. We are one big family that's reaching across the globe with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for your participation. We're so thankful for your commitment to this incredible cause. Thank God for men of God. Thank God for a church that is hungry. Thank God for you. And tonight, we say to you, success to you and success to the kingdom of God.